obey Him. This evening, we are going to discuss another old New Year dilemma. So I know every New Year's, I try to really be creative in trying to tackle what I'm up against. And I'm up against a very creative world. The world is so creative and you're, you're always in front of it. And it's always in front of you. Through your social media platforms, through your work, through the commercials that you watch, through the marketing that they have, you're overwhelmed and I'm on, it's, it's, I feel like I'm on, uh, on a disadvantage. But every New Year's I try, I try as, as the pastor of this church, we try to discuss, identify what the world's trying to tell you and what God is trying to tell us. So I entitled our message tonight, still within the series, The Idolatry of Comfort. Idolatry of Comfort. Now, idols are people and things that we put above God. And we put in His place rather than Him. We put either it's our children, whether it's our work, whether it's a wooden statue, those are all idols. Those idols are, the, 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 the wooden things are discussed in the book of Exodus, but other idols are more subtle than we would like. And sometimes it's so deceiving to the point that we like it. Like comfort. Comfort can be an idol or is an idol. Now let me read a paragraph from an article from Gospel Coalition. They entitled it, How Comfort Culture and Hustle Ideology Filled the Meaning Gap. Uh, next week we will tackle the hustle part, but we're tackling the comfort culture tonight. Now the world always tells us there's, that there is no need for God. That's what the world teaches. You, they might not be saying it, sometimes they are now. But it's in, in a sometimes obvious, sometimes subtle way. It tells us that you can fill in certain things to replace God in your life. Many candidates are vying to fill the void of God in your life. In particular, we've noticed two maps of meaning that have grabbed the hearts of many. Comfort culture and hustle ideology. In one sense, they're opposites. In another, they're fraternal twins. Different features, same parents. Comfort culture, by definition, this is what they mean. Netflix binging, online gaming, hours of Candy Crush, scrolling Instagram reels, fantasy sports, self-indulgent Amazon sprees, foodie culture addiction, all comfy couch consolations to fill the meaning gap. Essentially, this is consumerism in late mo modernity uh, as a form of spiritual transcendence. It's not that these activities are bad in themselves, but they can become a problem when they create a quote-unquote comfort culture that idolizes rest, to the point of finding meaning in slotfulness, consumption to, uh, did, I, did I have it that? I was going to delete that. 
Go read it. Somebody, somebody say it. Ameliorate in you. Yeah. You know what that means? I, I read the definition. It's uh, uh, to avoid weariness. To avoid weariness. Um, where was I? It's the mindset of working merely to make play possible. I had previous, in, in 2018, I believe, I had the New Year series and I was tackling each and everything that people were desiring. Sometimes it's the weekend. So we can say that the comfort culture is the weekend. When you're trying to work really hard so that you can have the weekend to play. When you're trying to work really hard for 30 years or 20 years or 40 years so you can retire and be comfortable. When you're working really hard so you can play harder. That's an idol. Because then everything about your life becomes about that. About retiring early, about getting comfortable so you can sit in your easy chair and say, life is good. Now, Romans 12, 2 reads, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Everything that's there that the world is offering us, we need to test that by how? Through the Bible. This is why we said, you need to read your Bible. You need to study your word. Because you're, you, have, you can look later after the message on how much screen time you have spent last week. If you have spent 8 hours and 30 minutes on your screen time on an average on a daily basis last week, but you spent 0 minutes on the word of God, guess which, which world is influencing you? Guess which principles are playing out in your mind and you're living it out in your life. There's feeding, right? We are what we eat. <laughs> Some people say, oh no, <laughs> I am what I eat. Yes, we are what we consume. If we consume more of God's word, then we become what God desires for us to be. If we consume what the world throws our way, then we become what the world tells us to be. So there's a lot of renewing. This new year, again, let me encourage you. This new year, let it be one of your new year resolution for you to study your word. For you to make time in your day, in your week, to read your word. And to compare everything that the world's telling you versus what God has said. So, if you're already in John 21, John chapter 21, I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon P Peter, Thomas, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples we're together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. 
He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net, net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with there, coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, to the, Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised. This is the word of the Lord. I'll read the rest later. Father, we thank you for everything this evening. We thank you for the singers and the hymns, the workers of your church. We thank you for this building. We thank you for the people that you brought with us tonight. And we ask now, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, and to open the eyes and the, of the hearts of the, and the minds of your people that are here this evening. Speak through me, Father God. Anoint my lips. Guide us, Father, and teach us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we just read John chapter 21, verses 1 to 15, 1 to 14. This is when Jesus, after he resurrected, he met with his disciples again in his resurrected body. We saw that Peter there was getting bored. He was bored and he said, I'm going to go and fish, which was his old way of living. He was a fisherman. And some of the people with him went with him, right? Sometimes when, when our lives seem to be the same thing and we're getting bored, we have no choice but to go back to what we're used to. Peter did that. And the title of our message is The Idolatry of Comfort. God understands and knows our need. God understands and knows our need of comfort. He knows that. There is nothing wrong with comfort for comfort itself. But it becomes wrong when we seek comfort above God and when we seek comfort and disregarding His commands to us. Serving God most of the time pushes us out of our comfort zone. Is it comfortable to share the gospel? No. The answer is no. The, the, the honest answer there is, I'd rather not. Because the people that are, are needing to hear the gospel sometimes are really rude or have really made up their mind. And sometimes we really care about them and we really love them. And we know that if we say 
what we are to say, we are going to lose them as our friends or as a brother. So obeying God pushes us out of our comfort zone. But God understands our need and God knows our need for comfort. But there is a difference between need and want. Do you agree? Thank you, Sister Milda. Glad to have you back. There is a difference between wants and needs. Need are necessities. Now, according to the Bible, and for practical reasons, they are food and clothing. Food and clothing are the needs of, of people. And look at Matthew 6, 25, uh, chapter 6, verse 25, and verses 31 to 32. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows what we need, amen? amen? And God provides what we need. We have more than we need in this country. We have more than we need. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Only in this country does the business storage exist. The storage business is such a great idea. If you have money and you, to buy land, just buy land, build, put some concrete there, put up some buildings there, a little bit of electricity, and people will use it as an extra garage. It's where they store the things that they don't use on a daily basis. Sometimes I've heard of my clients having their couch or three sets of couches in storages that they couldn't let go of. We have more than we need. If you sincerely look into your life and be honest, you will say that you have more than you need. Because we have stopped looking deeply into our lives and distinguishing what need is versus want. And most of the time, because of our want, want things, wants, we that's what gets us in trouble. What's trouble? Because of us wanting more, we end up working more. Why is that a problem? Because when we're working more, then we don't have enough time with our children, with our spouse, with our friends to take care of ourselves. We get sick and then we lose relationships. And most importantly, more importantly, we lose time with God because we have neglected to look in, to look really deep into what's my need and what are my wants. We have fallen into the trap of materialism. Just recently, I've had to get my three cars repaired. Three of my cars I had to give to my mechanic and repair it. I was so tempted to tell, I was telling myself, I need a new car. <laughs> I said, 
I need a pickup truck. And then I went as far as this, I need a pickup truck and I need a new luxury car. I was using the words need. And then I started saying, I deserve a brand new pickup truck. I work hard for my money. I deserve a new luxury car. I work hard for my money. Then I started getting spanked by the Lord. <laughs> and he started showing me that I have what I need. I don't have what I want, but I have what I need. In this new year, I challenge you folks to look at what you have and determine. Determine for yourselves. Do you have what you need? Stop thinking about what you want. Just ask yourself, do I have what I need? You have food, you have shelter, you have clothing, then you have everything you need. You, do, you don't have the bigger house, you want a bigger house, but you don't need a bigger house. You don't have the new car that you want, you have your used car that you need. You don't have the new car that you want. Jesus in John 21 said, he, he asked Peter and the disciples, haven't you any fish? Now, did Jesus not know that they didn't catch anything? No, he knew, right? He knew. He knew that they didn't catch anything. Just like when God asked Adam, but the Lord God called out to, to the man, where are you? It's not like God didn't know where Adam was. Now, unfortunately, many times in our lives, we put ourselves in trouble because of those things that we want. And we pursue the things that we want and forget that we already have the things that we need. We get in trouble. And God is always good, though, because he always asks, do you not have what you need? He's always pursuing us, always asking us, where are you, Joe? Where are you? The times that we don't want to be with the Lord are the times that we're sinning. The times that we don't want to be seen by God are the times that we have just forgotten and neglected Him. Unfortunately, it's the same for us Christians. It happens to us Christians. It happens all the time for the unbelievers. But sadly for us Christians, we fall into that trap as well. The need for comfort. Our message for tonight. The need for comfort. Now, again, question. What is comfort? The comfort that the world describes is indulging in laziness and pleasure. That's what the world describes what comfort is. Movies, games, eating, traveling, consumption, and spoiling me to make me feel good, make me happy. It's consumerism of any form that the world has to offer. You deserve this, so you get the Mercedes. You get the Lexus. You get, never mind. I'm trying to be, I'm not, I'm talking more about myself here. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're able to relate with this. But I'm, I have a sneaky suspicion that we all have this from time to time. 
that we all fall into our wants because we didn't see that we already have what we need. Comfort according to God's word, comfort according to God's word is God himself. God himself. Look, in John 21, again, he called out to them, friends, haven't you had any fish? The experienced fishermen trying to comfort themselves, trying to take themselves out of boredom, trying to make something in their day and be productive. They went out to what they were used to, fishing. But with all their experience and with all their expertise, they could not catch anything. And then God comes. God comes to comfort them. And he says, friends. Do you know being called God's friend right there is significant? In John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. If you don't find comfort in God calling you by your name and calling you friend, if you don't find comfort there, you don't know God. Comfort comes, as God tells us, comfort comes when trouble is around. Do we agree? What do I mean? You don't know what rest is until you have worked really hard. You don't know what hunger is until you haven't eaten, for us Filipinos, three hours. <laughs> you don't know what comfort is until you get in trouble, until there's hardship, until, until there's, there's a trial in our life. You don't know what comfort is. And you're not even seeking comfort until those trouble come or is around. Trouble, according to God's word, is God himself. Why? Because he said, in this life, what life? Life with him. Life with God, what did he say? In this life, you will have trouble. Life with God, trouble will come. Why? Because the world is against God. The world is against God and everything that God stands on. Without God, in this life, there's also trouble. If you look at your life honestly, you can take out God for all you want and for all you care. But if you look at life honestly, if you look at the world, there is trouble. There is trouble. You might not be going through all your own trouble, but if you look at your friends and your family and, and your co-workers' life, there's trouble. In this life, you will have trouble. But behold, I have overcome the world. That's comforting us by telling us that he has overcome it. And if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the ultimate comfort. Because God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. John 15, 9 to 13. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. 
abide in my love, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that, than to lay down one's life for his friends. The goal of the world is to remove the need for God. The goal of the world is to change our life's purpose. The original purpose of our lives is for us to serve and live for God. The world is working twice as hard to tell us that this temporary life here on earth is more important than eternity. The world keeps telling us to attain comfort. Comfort. Make money and be comfortable. Make money and be comfortable. Make money and, and serve yourself. Make money and live for yourself, not for the Lord. See, the misconception of us Christians is when we think God asks us to die for Him. God doesn't ask us to die for Him. God asks us to die to ourselves daily. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and come follow me. But denying ourselves means this. We are to live for God. We are to live for God. We are to sacrifice our life. Not to die, but to sacrifice our life. To give our time. To give our strength. To give our health. To give our everything for God. And if we are not in God, we lose our joy. This is what's here. Isn't that what we just read? These things I have spoken to you that my joy remains in you. His joy remains in us before obeying His commands. See, church, loved ones, the enemy cannot take our salvation. Us sinning, Against God, we don't lose our salvation. But when we sin and when we're not abiding in God, we lose, not salvation, but we lose our joy. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is temporary. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness means Manny Pacquiao comes here and starts praising God and we're like so entertained, like, oh, I'm happy. Pacquiao is here. That's happiness. But joy is knowing that there was one time, there was one great Filipino boxer that put up the flag and we were proud of. That's joy. One time in our lives, we witnessed that. Happiness was when he was winning. Joy is just knowing that even though he's not fighting now, we can say one of the greatest boxers was a Filipino. 
Joy in God is knowing that our life might not be perfect, but knowing the fact that if this and if and when this life ends, we will be with God and our life there will be perfect. The trouble that we go through, the th- trouble that we go through, the sadness that we go through, the challenges that we face, even though they're hard and, and difficult, the joy is knowing that God sees our pain. That God sees the turmoil. God sees the discouragement. God sees it, but God will sustain us. And God is with us. That's joy. God understands and knows our need for comfort. Which is why he tells us and shows us that real comfort is having him. And with him comes peace and joy. Look at 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, in the HCSB version. The God of comfort. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of of affliction through the comfort we we ourselves receive from God. For as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so through Christ our comfort also overflows. Christianity is a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. However, everything about our Christian lives, everything about our lives doesn't begin and end with just ourselves. God doesn't bless us to keep the blessing to ourselves. God blesses us so we can pour out those blessings that he has given us to others. Even in the pain, even in the trials that we went through, the comfort that we received from God through those pain and suffering that we went through, we are to share it. We are to give it. How can you do that if you don't come to church? How can you do that if you don't belong to a community of believers? How do you do that with you when you don't engage with another person? When you're not connecting with a believer, when you're, you're, you're keeping the blessing to yourself, you're becoming like a stagnant water. A stagnant water is not usable water. It's bad water. We are to be like a river flowing, river flowing with blessings of God. To others, Psalm 23 reads, The Lord is my... Please turn to Psalm 23. In your Bibles, it's going to be in the Old Testament. Psalm 23, it reads, the heather there should say a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod 
and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd David knew who God is. The shepherd David faced bears and lions to protect his sheep. Remember when he presented himself to King Saul? He said, I have rescued sheep from the, the mouths of lions. I pulled out a sheep from, from their mouth. Imagine the boldness and the courage of a young man facing a lion. I haven't seen a lion in person. I've seen videos, and I don't want to see a lion in person because of the videos that I've seen. <laughs> but here, that's an account where a brave and courageous young man tried, rescued a, sh a sheep, put his life in danger. And then he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If you have God, you lack nothing. You have everything. Amen? Amen. Oh, praise God. There's more people agreeing to the truth. We have to understand. We have to be able to determine and distinguish what our needs and our wants are. In order for us to stop complaining to God, Lord, why did you not give me my promotion? <laughs> and God says, you have everything you need. But Lord, I want more. I want to buy the bigger house. So I need a raise, Lord. And God says, you have everything you need. And then we say, but Lord, I want more. You know, I recently was faced with this myself. <laughs> Pause. Sorry. I'm struggling with my... Thank you. Um, what's your name again? <laughs> Is that Analu? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was recently faced with this. I joined a real estate firm a year and a half ago. And I joined in as a partner with them. Only for me to find out a few months after joining in, that we were getting bought out. But then many months later, we had to close down the shop. So I was faced with the dilemma of going back to another company just to be an associate again. So I was telling God, I go, Lord, why did you allow me to join a real estate firm, to become a partner, only for me to lose that a year and a half later? And then my dilemma was this. Should I open my own firm so that I can keep that owner status to myself? And that all the vanity, I could see all the vanity. I could see all the, the advantages. And I was telling myself, I deserve it. I can do it. But then God is saying, Joe, you have everything you need. 
you have everything you need. To run my own brokerage firm will require more of my time. To run my own brokerage firm will require many more hours. That will probably be taking away from my work as a pastor. To be taking it away from my work as a dad. To be taking away from my work as a husband. Mind you guys, that is work. Hey, there's no other way to put it. It is work. It takes work to become a good husband, if you're trying. It takes work to become a good father, if you're trying. Yeah, because you could just be a dad, right? I'm their dad. I'm a crappy dad, but I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a crabby husband, but I'm a husband. It takes work to be good at your responsibilities. But we're limited with our time. And God is the one that knows all things. So when God orchestrates these things for us, we have to trust him. Amen? Amen. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. David trusts God that everything with God is safe. Green pasture is this picture of relaxation. Of safety. Remember when they say the grass is greener on the other side? That's what he's saying. I'm in the other side. I'm in the greener side. God makes me lie down in the greener side. He leads me beside quiet waters. Not raging waters, but quiet waters. What are quiet, what's a quiet water? It's a relaxing, a relaxing sound. If you are with God and if you are living for God, it he will give you that relaxing time. Now, you won't know what relaxes if you don't go through battle. David went through battles. Us Christians, when we're serving God, we go through those challenges. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David sees nothing else better, nothing else is better than being with God in the house of God. I don't know how you see church time. If you see it as a religious exercise that you drag yourself here every Sunday or you try to talk yourself out from resting, oh, stop sleeping, you need to go to church. Or Pastor Joe will call you. <laughs> you know, if you're dragging yourself from that, you're seeing it as a religious practice. But if it's, if you see it the way God wants you to see it, which is to spend time with Him, first and foremost, to praise Him and glorify Him because you recognize that everything about your life throughout the week was from Him. And the least that you can do is to praise Him, to shout praises to him and to be present with his people to share to others God has been so good to me you want to know why he did this for me because when you're doing that the person that's receiving it is probably discouraged he or she probably is struggling with the same struggles that you were going through and praise God that you were bold enough to praise God and share what he has done for you and all along right there just with that simple exercise the blessing of God overflow, it overflows through you and it went through the other brother and sister. And it gives comfort to them. 
If you look at John 21 again, in your Bibles there, verse 9 to 14, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Imagine Jesus is a Southern Baptist, guys. <laughs> he believes in pot bless. <laughs> There's pot bless there. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was a large, it was a full of large fish, 153 but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples there asked him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. Did the same with the fish. Here's why this, is, this, this matters. Knowing that God knows what your, what your needs are. Knowing that God knows your need of comfort. Knowing that, you should see this moment as if God is calling you ashore. When you're tired and when you're weary, what does God say? Come to me, all of you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. You come to Jesus. You come to him. You abide in him. You get plugged in with him. He is the source of our power. He is the source of our strength. The reason why you're tired is you haven't been plugging in. You haven't been plugging in. God knows the need for comfort. God knows the need for rest. And God knows that if you do everything else other than spending time with him. Imagine the invitation, come. Come, eat with me. Come, spend time with me. This new year, again, I remind you to please spend time with Jesus. Amen? Spend time with Jesus. This is our message for tonight. And if, as the music team make their way up here, next week we will discuss the, what the world calls the, the culture, the hustle culture, I think. That was, that's what we're going to tackle next week. But thank you very much for your, your patience. I want to lead us into a, uh, I want to close us in prayer. But at the same time, I want to give this invitation for those of you who have not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you want to receive the true rest for your soul, accept Jesus as your Lord and be saved from the consequences of your sins. There's no way that you can save yourself. Jesus has already done that for you. Please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. If you have been coming to this church, if you have been attending this church, and you still don't belong to this church officially as a member, I'd like you to talk to me tonight. No, okay. if, if, if you want to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Let's all rise. Father, we thank you for your message that you've given to us this evening. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given to us. We ask now, Lord God, for discernment and wisdom for us to be able to identify our needs and our wants. We ask now, Lord God, for wisdom that we are able to apply what we have learned this evening in our lives. Help us, Lord God, to be engaged with you. Help us, Lord God, to be wanting 
to spend time with you through our reading, through our prayer, and through our church time, and with our loved ones. Help us, Father, to live for you. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we made something else, Lord God, other things more important than being with you and with your people. Forgive us, Father, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. I pray for blessings for your people. I pray for your guidance to them. I pray for your protection for them. And I pray that you bless their plans, Lord God. Bless their lives, Lord. And may they glorify you. And may they magnify you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, amen. amen.